Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Generation Broadway. My name is Jillian Kidd. I am your host, and we are back from our accidental summer-long hiatus. Um, <laughs> I was just supposed to take a month off because I broke my ankle and I needed to recover from it, and then we ended up being off all summer. But that's okay, because we're back now, and I have so many super fun ideas for September, including... Um, possibly an interview with our first ever guest, super exciting, and a Dear Evan Hansen movie review, because that is coming out later this month, and I'm so excited. I have been following that movie and every announcement they are making to a T, so make sure you stay tuned. We have a lot of really cool things coming up in September, but focusing on this week's episode, I wanted to talk about something that I'm obsessed with. I genuinely love this concept. Um, and we're talking about TikTok musicals, so I think it's really fun. There was just a couple of things announced with one bigger TikTok musical, so I thought it would be cool to do, like, a nice deep dive into the history, the lore, if you will. <laughs> so, yeah, just kind of with that being said, let's get into the episode. Alrighty, so we're just going to jump straight into it with going over the three kind of musicals that I think really stand out the most. But first, I just want to say, if you aren't familiar with what TikTok is, it's a social media platform. Um, You can make up to three minute long videos. You can uh, do lip syncing videos. You can do um, your own creative input into things. And it's kind of like it's like a longer version of Vine. It's really hard to explain, but I feel like a lot of people know what it is, so I'm really banking on you guys, like, being aware of what this is so that I don't have to explain it, but just keep in mind the concept of, like, one to three minute videos, super, like, pretty short, really focused, hyper-focused on one topic, and, like, you're watching them very quickly and then swiping away, and that should be all you need to know about TikToks. Um, but anyways, moving on to these musicals, we're going to start with the first one, which is the Grocery Store Musical. Um, I did not know much about this one. I didn't super duper remember it, so I actually had to do a little bit of research into it. Uh, whereas the other two, I was going a lot off of my memory because I just am obsessed. Uh, but this one was started by Daniel Merzloft, who created one specific TikTok, so it wasn't like a series. Um, and then it essentially just, just inspired a lot of duets with other people um, adding into it, creating a full-scale musical theater number. So it's kind of plot, if you will, was two people fighting in a grocery store, and the main line was, and now we're fighting in a grocery store, and I love you, but I don't know if I like you anymore. Um, and then from there, a lot of people, like I said, duetted it, adding their own take to it. So I saw um, there would be a lot of People who would be like, POV, I'm the wife, or I'm their kid, or I'm the grocery store attendant. Like, it's all just, like, adding a different perspective, a different character into the number. The funniest one I saw was someone who was like, I'm the can of soup. And it was just someone, like, just sitting there with a background of a wall of groceries. And it was super funny. And this was kind of... The first time we saw a group of people just randomly come together to make one concise number. Um, It didn't go as hard as a lot of others have, but I think it was the first time we really saw that, like, plot-based, random strangers teaming up to make this musical theater number. Um, And I thought that was really interesting. And it kind of came and went. It wasn't a huge deal. It was funny. I remember, I think I saw it, like, once or twice on my For You page. 
Um, I liked it. I thought it was really funny. Wasn't super duper memorable. Just kind of like I said, when I started this, I had to do some research into it because I didn't remember it. But after this, we saw Ratatouille the Musical. Now, we know and love Ratatouille on this podcast. I have talked about it before. I could talk about it again. I am truly obsessed with this musical, and I genuinely think it might be very influential in the modern era. And I don't know if people are ready to admit that, which is why it's still kind of viewed as, like, not serious. But anyways, uh, Ratatoucicle got its start in October of 2020 when Emily Jacobson posted an acapella version of the main song, Remy the Ratatouille. So that was where you first got the main theme of, like, Remy the Ratatouille, the rat of all my dreams, uh, which I think is really funny also because uh, Ratatouille is a dish, it's a meal, so this whole musical is based on someone not understanding what Ratatouille is. It's really funny. I love it. I think it's hilarious. Anyways, <laughs> um, after that song came out, people started duetting it, adding their own uh, take on it, kind of similar to how the grocery store musical got its start. But then it just kind of exploded and everyone came up with their own numbers and you started uh, seeing people adding in different songs, different dance numbers, costume sets, a playbill. I even saw a few that were like different lighting techniques and how they would set the stage. And it was so interesting to just see a random video. Like you'd be watching videos of like literally nothing that has to do with musical theater or Ratatouille. And then you'd be like, here's my lighting design for Ratatouille. And then you would like it and you would scroll away. And it was super weird. And I feel like we don't acknowledge it that much. But the main people who are the most influential people who added their take into this were Blake Rousey, RJ Christian, Sophia James, and Kevin Chamberlain, um, the very famous musical theater actor, and he was also the butler on Jesse. I love Kevin Chamberlain. He's so kind and seems great. I've never met him. I don't know if he's actually that nice, but, like, he didn't have to participate in this. He really didn't. No one asked him to. He just did, and I remember it because he posted his video with his song that he wrote, and he was like, this is my favorite Disney movie, and I think it would be great. And he just, like, that's so fun and wholesome and sweet. And I think it really sums up the energy of this musical because it was everyone being like, why not? Like, why shouldn't I write a song about Ratatouille? Like, I think that would fit really well. And it was really great. Um, But after it started trending for a while, it kind of picked up and became a bit more mainstream. And from there, Lucy Moss, who is the director of Six, she's also the youngest director to ever produce a show on Broadway because she's 26 years old. Um, she saw this and ended up kind of launching it into being a real thing. And her, she ended up uh, compiling about 10 songs, expanding them because some of them were only a minute long, so they had to be made a bit longer. So she worked with the creators uh, to make the songs longer, casted the show, worked on costuming and everything like that. And in the cast, they ended up having Andrew Barth Feldman as Linguini, Titus Burgess as Remy, Ashley Park as Colette, Brady as Django and Adam Levine as Emil, including a bunch of other people, and not to mention Tony Award winner Andre De Shields participated in this. He did not need to, I think he just wanted to, and genuinely I'm obsessed. Like, I understand casting Andrew Barth Feldman to me, I understand that. He is 19. Sure. Like, that makes sense to me. 
casting like an adult man who is a celebrated actor in his like 50s or 60s he didn't need to do this he just wanted to he thought it was really fun and he wanted to and I think that's so cool I'm genuinely obsessed with how you had these like important people in the theater community be like yeah that would be so fun let me get involved in this and do it just for my own will and my own enjoyment and I think that's great um and from after casting they ended up doing a live stream of the show to help raise money for the actors fund and like I've said it was so good like it was genuinely really well done it was a little bit clunky but in all honesty every single virtual musical was clunky None of them were, I I did not watch one where I was like, yeah, the flow and the timing of this is perfect and compares to in-person, because it just can't at the end of the day. So I think for how they, for what they had to do, they did an amazing job. The cast was so good. I can't get over how talented that cast was, because Andrew Barthelman just is Linguini. Wayne Brady and Adam Lambert went so hard. Wayne Brady had, like, makeup on and props, and it was so good, and Adam Lambert sold. He didn't, he knew, he knew what he had to do, and he did it, and it was so great, and I just think that was amazing, but honestly, to me, what was so impressive about this and how it was the fact that they pulled it off, having so many people contributing to the show, that was always the red flag that I saw on TikTok was being like, oh, yeah, like, this would never become an actual musical because they would have to credit so many people just because how many people had contributed their own perspective and their own, um, like, input on it, had given their own input to the musical, that anything these creators did, even if it was an original idea, if it was similar enough to something someone had made a TikTok about, they would have had to give credit. And it was always like, oh, that would be a really hard thing to do because it's so many names. Um, And yet they took these 10 songs that had already been written. They credited the artists in full. They worked with the artists to expand it. All of them showed up for the like little like quasi curtain call they did. And I really think that that is something that's super impressive because it would be really easy to not publicly give them credit and not have them be the standout names of this. Uh, the ten or the uh, seven people I listed could have very easily just gone under the wing and not have been noticed or not have been paid attention to, and they were. And I think that that's something that you don't see a lot in the theater community. They try like typically you'll see one or two big names associated with the production team of a company or of a show, and that's really it. So it was really cool that they kind of made sure that the original creators were credited in full. I really liked that. Um, sadly, however, I don't think this is going to have a life beyond its TikTok fame. Um, like I said, I do actually think this does set a really interesting precedent for how we create and watch musicals. Um, but I don't think we're going to see Ratatouille reappearing. I think it was more of a test run, see how things work. Now we know we can do this. Let's expand on it. Let's figure out a way to do it on our own. Um, which is super cool, and I think this is always going to be something I hope that lives on in history and is very important as knowing that this is when we started making musicals more commonly and more, like, less formally, if that makes sense. Like, it was more, it's more relaxed, it's more, um, tangible, more reachable, and I think that that's something that we really need to recognize within the theater community. 
yeah, I overall thought it was really well done. I'm genuinely always impressed when I think about Ratatouille School. I also think about my sister, me forcing my sister to watch it, and somehow this was not a sad musical, and both of us were crying by the end because we were just so like, oh my gosh, they did it, they pulled it off, and it was so good. Um, and that was a really happy memory. So I think that might be part of why I also really like it because we were just absolutely floored by how good it was. We did not expect it. <laughs> um, but now the real reason why I made this episode is because of the final musical I want to talk about, which is the Bridgerton musical. Guys, I'm so obsessed with this. It's so good. Oh my god. Okay. So this musical first came about kind of in January of 2020 after the very, very successful release of the Bridgerton TV show. Um, Currently, the two have no association with each other legally. They're just one is a fan-made musical and the other is a official TV show. But this musical was actually very different from both other musicals I have mentioned before this, because instead of it being a massive group of online strangers... It was directly two people that created the musical. So it was Abigail Barlow and Emily Bear. And they went to school together. They, like, this is their careers. They're both, um, Emily Bear is a composer and Abigail Barlow is a singer-songwriter. So this is really, truly, like, something they know how to do. They've worked towards this and they've just put their passion into it and made this musical. And they initially started with one song from Daphne's perspective And then it kind of expanded into two songs and then four and then eight and then ten, I think they're at at this point. And they started expanding. So they have songs about Daphne and the Duke's relationship, as well as songs from Eloise's perspective and Penelope's perspective. And they're all amazing. Every single song I've heard from there is good. They're so brilliantly done. Um, And after they released these songs, they got a lot of positive feedback on TikTok and that kind of led to them doing live streams on TikTok and on Instagram where they would expand the songs from one minute to a full like three and a half, four minute song that you would see in a musical, which I think is something really impressive and not something you saw with the other two musicals. Like this is very different from Ratatouille School and the grocery store musical. In my opinion, it's a bit more serious um, just because of how these two girls went about doing it. And then their TikToks, ultimately, kind of after they got all of the success from it, a lot of people started duetting them, and my favorite version of it, I actively listen to it all the time because it sounds so pretty, is, um, Antonio Cipriano from Jagged Little Pill duetted one called Burn For You, so it's, like, a love song between Daphne and the Duke, and he sings the male lead, And it's just so pretty. It sounds so good. And I listen to it all the time. It is amazing. Their voices mesh really well. And I'm just genuinely so obsessed with it. And then, very excitingly, it was just announced recently that um, this would be turned into a concept album. And it's coming out on September 10th, which is so soon. I'm super pumped for it. I might actually end up doing um, an album review because I just, I love this musical so much, and I think it would be really interesting to hear it when it's professionally recorded, when they have an actual orchestra, when they have all of the stuff they would have in a concept album, rather than just, like, two girls making a TikTok, and 
right now the album is set to have 15 songs so that means there's five that we've never heard before which is so exciting um there's a chance it could feature just the two of them of barlow and bear however i think it would be really cool and i wouldn't be surprised if they have it casted a little bit um i do think if they do cast it so if they do have it casted i wouldn't be surprised if it's really small names is the other thing but I could see them maybe bringing in a male lead for duets because the ones on TikTok, they're really great, but it's sometimes a little bit hard unless you're watching the video and paying attention to tell when it's Daphne versus when it's the Duke singing. Um, so I could definitely see them bringing in someone for that. My dream scenario would be Antonio Cipriano because he just sounds so good and he's so talented and I would love to see him get that recognition. But I also think it would be really cool. I don't think this will happen. But the guy that plays Anthony on the TV show, Jonathan Bailey, is like, his background's in musical theater. He was, he's, all his work has been in the West End. He was in the last five years. He was in um, Wicked for a little bit. He's done a bunch of stuff, but he won an Olivier Award because he was in the West End production of Company, actually. He played Jamie before it transferred to um, the US to be on Broadway. And he won an Olivier for it, and he was super talented. That's a tangent aside, but my dream scenario is I would love to have him singing on that album because he's so talented and he's like a part of the show. So I think that'd be really cute. Do I think that'll actually happen in real life? Not a chance at all. Would I love for it to happen? Absolutely. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. So I think Bridgerton the musical, is going to be a lot more impactful at the end of the day compared to Ratatouille for specifically two reasons. The first being Barlow and Bear. These women are so talented. I've heard a lot of people saying that they're the new Pasek and Paul. So that's Ben Pasek and Ben Pasek and Justin Paul. They are Dear Evan Hansen, Dogfight, La La Land. They do a lot. Um, and I 100% think that's warranted, because this is the first thing we've seen from these two women. This is the first time we've heard their music. And if they're just getting started and they're already, already writing music this well, I think that that's absolutely a sign that they're going to be brilliant in what they do and that they have so much talent to them that they could just blow everyone away in the future. And I do also think that they could bring a really interesting perspective into the world of musical theater writing because I know when we talk about great writing duos it's Rogers and Hammerstein, Pasek and Paul, there's others that I'm just blanking on right now um but it's a very white male perspective so it would be interesting to see a duet uh like famous duo of two women I would love to see that a lot more um and I just think like you know they have the they, ha they have the ability and yeah these, like there might be flaws there might be they're not perfect but again they're just starting out and there's still flaws and things that Ben Fassick and Justin Paul do nobody's ever going to write a perfect musical and I think that for them just like messing around this is amazing and we need to take that into consideration like this isn't them with time and resources and energy this is them doing this for fun for a few months and that's truly something that I think we need to remember and we need to acknowledge because, like, think of what they could do with dedicated time and effort and a team behind them of, like, an actual orchestra and an actual supporting vocal ensemble. Like, they, I think they could just do anything if they wanted to. Um, but the second reason I think that this is actually going to be 
like this actually has a lot more potential to it is because of tangibility. This is so much, is that a word? Is because of how tangible it is. Um, this is a much more tangible concept and you, it's more realistic in the world of musical theater. Credit only goes to two people. It maintains a similar sound throughout the entire show. It's taking a path of like, you saw how it started. You have this concept album. I think if they were to turn it into a show, it would be much more, it'd be a lot easier to do so. It's really common, especially right now, to have a lot of movies and TV shows being turned into movies and I, or into musicals. And I think this just follows that layout more. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw this concept album turn into a table read, turn into an off-Broadway production, turn into a Broadway production. Whereas I think I would genuinely be very, very surprised if we saw Ratatousical follow that same step. Like, there's just something about this that is more in-depth to me and more, like, thought through compared to Ratatouille School, which I think was miraculous that it happened, whereas this, I'm not, like, so shocked by how good it is because these two women are so talented and they have training and they know what they're doing and it's more realistic in that sense. But yeah, so kind of after all of that information, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, to be honest, why these are important and why this is something we should be talking about. And at the end of the day, I think it would genuinely be a mistake to call these musicals, including Grocery Story the Musical, um, as a write-off or as an anomaly, because I don't think they're a one-shot thing. I think this is ultimately going to be something, it's opening the door for a new way that we're able to take in musicals. We're coming into an age where accessibility is really at the height of Broadway, and you're seeing more streaming services do live recordings of shows, you're seeing um movies turned into musical or musicals turned into movies you're seeing it you're seeing steps being taken to make things more accessible within the theater community and I think having an app on your phone where you just have access to this like bounty of creativity and of people who are like hmm, I have this idea for a musical I'm gonna put it out into the world and see what happens I think people are going to utilize that and I think when we're in the middle of a global pandemic and people aren't able to be as creative as they normally can and they aren't able to go talk to their local community theater director or talk to people to actually get things into motion, you're going to see them relying on TikTok more and more on social media to get things done. And I just don't think we should be as surprised if we see this as a trend in the future. Because I also think we're already starting to see more... um, Broadway shows starting to create an online presence and starting to create a TikTok, like Mrs. Doubtfire the Musical. I always see, I don't know her name, I feel so bad for not knowing her name, I see this one girl, she plays, um, she's like 16, 15, her, she's the face of that TikTok account because she's younger and people relate to her, so, and she, it's her making content that has to do with the show and is, like, in theme and trending on TikTok. And I think that is also something we're going to see as a side effect of non-professional theater actors putting their spin on TikTok. And I think you're seeing that with creators like J.J. Neiman, who his TikTok account is not serious. Like, it's just him being like, oh, this is what actors do behind the scenes. And it's giving us an insight into what Broadway looks like. And that is something that's also going to become 
very important, I think, as social media continues on and this trend it's in and as theater comes back more, I think that will be the real driving force of like, now we have, we know that musical theater can be done on our phones. We know that it can be done in this really simple way. So how are we going to work with that? And how are we going to change it to make sure that we're staying with the times? Yeah. Alrighty, everybody, that is it for this week's episode. If you can't tell, I truly do love TikTok musicals. I think they're so fun and uplifting and great. And I, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh yeah, I'll definitely do a concept album review. It might be a longer episode too. And I could just do like a, like a review of all 15 songs. I think I'm going to do that. So if you haven't seen Bridgerton, go check it out so that that episode makes sense. Anyways, that was it for this week. If you have any ideas for episodes you would like to see on the show, please hit us up on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Generation Bway or on Instagram at Generation Broadway, all one word. That's it from us for now. We will see you next time.